Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome everyone to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I am your resident optimistic nihilist. Reminding you every day of your mortality and the urgency to get your titty sucked before the apocalypse <laughs> swallows us whole. And I'm with the beautiful Flex. Uh, I'm only here to encourage you to critically think and to facilitate your own nut and to stop being a dumb bitch full time. Love it. In summary, we're here to facilitate our own nuts. We're here to get our titty sucked and we're here to seek out pleasure and growth with our chests. So today we're talking about death, one of my favorite topics of all time. We're going to dive into the fear of death. We're going to dive into the afterlife. We're going to dive into our own mortality and suicide, euthanasia, all that jazz. I actually went ahead and asked you guys on Instagram if you have any comments, questions, or just talking points, discussion points for our conversation today on death. And so we'll be referencing some of those. Thank you for sending those in. But I want to start with Flex. What do you think happens after we die? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Naturally. Yeah. I'm pretending I don't know any of you and heading straight to heaven. (laughs) 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 Honestly, I can picture it so vividly. Like, I'm going to be there in, like, a a cute, white, flowy caftan with, like, a matching headpiece. Yes. Just, like, gliding across. I'm pretty sure an angel will be like, hey, like, how are you going? Welcome. Like, oh, so so good to see you. Will it be Rihanna? with anyone? I'm like. Or just an arbitrary (laughs) angel. We'd hope so. (laughs) You'd be like, are you with anyone? I'd be like, you know, actually, no, I've come alone. Oh, you're alone. Well, don't worry. You have a ton of friends here. Bitch, that's when I pop <laughs> oh, out. Like, of God, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> Bobo's like, flex, flex. I'm like, oh. Like, oh, I don't know her. Flex? I'm like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I, I just like to get into heaven now. Thank you. I mean, the more I think about it, mm. I'm really hoping for reincarnation. Really? And it seems really plausible to me. Yeah. Um, just because every now and then I come across, you know, articles on Reddit or news articles talking about um, children who are convinced or show signs of being another person in a past yeah. life. So really recently there was that young boy who um, who thought he was Princess Diana. So he saw I a saw random that. picture of Princess Diana and thought it was him and also referenced um, having a brother that nobody knew about or something. So... That sounds really plausible to me, and I'm hoping so because I'm just not really, I'm not ready to be done with living. Really? Um, okay, we want to, I want to discuss yeah, that. Yeah, no. Not ready to not be done. I just feel like this skin suit I have yeah. and the lifestyle I have, the gender, the race, um, there's so much I can't do or experience in this lifetime, and I want to give it another go. Granted, oh. it needs to be, I want to be perceived as a superior being in the next lifetime so i don't want to be an animal or an ant like that's a hard life <laughs> i want to be Wait, i mean you think if they are the superior being yeah or, but you know how humans are perceived as being superior even though we know these whales could gobble us up tomorrow i was gonna say i was gonna, i'm yeah. happy to do that again but as a whale but, you know let's say let's say meerkats are the superior being then i'd love to be a meerkat but until then that's it do you think you come back in the same plane? Like, are you going to be in the same plane of existence, like this three-dimensional world? Or do you think you'll come back to Earth, but like in another dimension? I think another dimension. Mm. I, I don't really f- feel like afterlives can be so linear. There'd be so many interfering storylines for everyone to come back into this life. Yeah. I mean, perhaps... I just prefer another dimension with all the galaxies that exist in the world. It's just yeah. naive to think that this one is the one that we're going to be I agree. inhabiting forever and ever and ever. 
it's just not realistic. No, I agree fully. I mean, and then I've been reading a lot. I don't want to rush too into it, but, you know, afterlife is so closely associated with near-death experiences and reading about what people um, had experienced when they had flatlined or died for minutes at a time. Yeah. And the recounts of that experience are so contrasting that it's even hard to know what that would be like if you had a near-death experience. Some people say it felt like, you know, hitting a snooze button and just, like, feeling like you're so sleepy. Some people felt like, you know, they had loved ones and family members like willing them awake like you know you have to get up you can't go to sleep things like that so yeah it's tricky but yeah what do you think happens when you die i think that bobo's afterlife i know what is my afterlife um unlike you i'm not trying to come back here because (laughs) good riddance (laughs) also i feel like an old soul you know what i mean I feel like I've been here so many times that I don't need Mm. to do it again. And I think that, I think everyone has, like you're either an old soul or you're a baby soul. Not like literally because I think souls are infinite, but as in like existing on this plane, like on this planet, in this dimension, you're either a baby soul or like a teenage soul or an old soul, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like this might be my last life as a human. Mm. And so I think next for me, well, I believe everyone goes where you believe. I think people who believe in hell are going to hell. People Mm -hmm. who are atheists don't believe in an afterlife. Like you'll just go into the void. Eternal darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Like you'll, yeah, you'll go into the void. Um, If you believe in reincarnation, you reincarnate. Because I feel like... I feel like the universe is just Play-Doh and we are all creating it as we go along. So we've created this planet with our minds and this entire planet is a result of our minds and it all exists inside our mind. And so I think the same exists for the afterlife. Like your afterlife exists in your mind just as much as your current life does. So for me, bitch, I'm going to go hang out with some aliens I'm going to the fourth dimension. <laughs> like, I'm chilling with everyone. Like, I want to see what's good. Like, I want to be floating about. I don't even want a skin suit. Like, I just want to be floating about oh. <laughs> in another dimension with some aliens. And it'll be lit, you know? Okay. Well, see you never. <laughs> but I mean, it's really... I like the idea of, you know, what you believe is where you're going. But yeah. humans have this really shitty way of not taking accountability for the life they live. And Ooh. so I feel like if that was the running um, rhetoric that you go where you choose, people would be like, well, no, like it's out of my hands. I was just put here. Like this happened to me. Um, mm. But it's interesting how much people don't think about death in the context of themselves. Ooh, what like, do you mean? Are you ready to die? <laughs> what if you were to die tomorrow? What does death right. look like to you? How would you prefer to die? How would you prefer to die? I, I feel like everyone always says in their sleep, but I mm. don't want it to be bloody. Like I don't want it to be violent because I do think the way that you die reverberates into your next life because yeah. just like energy, like that's just how energy works. And so I'd like for it to be like, I don't know, maybe like I overdose on heroin or like I accidentally do too many shrooms. No, actually, I don't want it to be an accident. I want to know. I want to know that like, listen, fam, you have six months to live. So then I can like make sure I get my titty sucked on every single day. (laughs) And yeah, I just want it to be like a peaceful goodbye I am, similarly to you, I'm confused by why people, like, why there's such a big stigma around death and so many people are afraid to talk about it and so many people are also afraid to die. Do you feel like you have that fear? Yeah, I'm definitely afraid to die. But are you afraid? I could choose how I die. Yeah. What was that, sorry? Are you afraid of how you're going to or just literally the idea that you will one day no longer be? The latter one day no longer being terrifies me because I don't think I live a very present life and I don't want death Mm. or anything death adjacent to creep up on me. So I want it to be well-timed. Like I want to be well and truly done with living when I die. I don't want it to feel premature in any way. Um, And I want it to be nice and chill. And 
I like I think it's been maybe for the like the last year I've been very hyper aware of what it is to live and what it is to not live and what it is to die. Mm. Um and for that reason I've been googling death a lot and trying to understand, you know, what different cultures um how different cultures perceive death. Yeah. You know, like most cultures that aren't the fucking West have very beautiful end of life, you yeah. know, ceremonies and strategies. It's just here when you're in like some decrepit fucking nursing home. Right? Being, like <laughs> when someone like look, they're feeding you fucking preservative based scraps waiting for you to die. Literally. You. And you're still like, holding on to dear like, life. Like I'm not trying to go out like that. So mm-mm. it's almost being just more cognizant about death as a industry as well like what does it look like to die and how expensive is it to die yeah um but i've been googling heaps about death um and i came across well a couple months ago my friend zoe put me onto this um youtuber called ask a mortician her name is caitlin and she is a mortician and she answers frequently asked questions about her job you know like where does the blood go when you die um you know what kind of coffins do you need she talks about you know cases in history weird ways people have died and everything and she's super super great with demystifying and destigmatizing what death is yeah um and trying to i guess illuminate it as you know a necessary part of life as necessary as birth and as important and as joyful as birth can be yeah but just flipping on its head a little bit and then she put me on to this death doula called alua arthur mm. and a death doula is almost like a, a birth doula somebody who I guess like they do all the non-medical care and support for the dying person and coach the family through the dying process. Yeah. Just like if you had a birth doula, they would coach you through what to expect. They'd be with you when you give birth and all that stuff. You know, the death doula will like hold your hand during the process while you die and help the family out on like a person to person level as opposed to a funeral director. And the industry is fucking huge because funeral directors are generally scammers get people while why while they're down sorry and convince them that they need this thing for their grieving and dying you know family member it's fucking insane but there is so much so essentially i'm gonna go on a rant because this shit's so interesting but essentially like there's death doulas and end of life planners and end of life planners are people who essentially coach you through everything you need to do before your life ends and mm. they always say or not always but alua says that she'd prefer to speak to someone when they're at their healthiest so you're not bogged down by you know life stresses that you can think critically and clearly about how you want to die like what would that look like best case scenario for yeah. you and they talk about you know things like preparing a will you know or deciding if you want to be put in a coma if it came to that deciding who you want to be your healthcare decision maker like who's going to make these decisions for you if you are in a state where you can't you know Mm. she said she said something like you know you want you got to pick someone who who thinks just like you like who who would you trust to go into a chipotle and order something perfect for you every time yeah that is your decision maker you know passing over your emails and social accounts because you know like that's a real problem these days where you know people who have died their social accounts stay active and are susceptible to hacking because their families can't get in and deactivate them for them that shit's so crazy it is and like it's just so I was watching this video where um, Alua and the Ask a Mortician YouTuber were planning or preparing a hypothetical deathbed. So presuming that this person was terminally ill and wanted to die at home, what would their actual bed look like? And so you know they were asking things like, um, you know, do you want candles, flowers? How many people do you want here? Do you want music? You know, do you want a massage? Blah blah blah. It was just so hectic, and it was so lovely because when Alua was coaching this. Uh, mortician through it her tone she was saying things like you know you're doing it great you're doing it just right like you are amazing you are safe you're being looked after this is perfect you're exactly where you need to be right now it was just really beautiful and i was like this shit is incredible honestly it's so much better than just like melting away in a nursing home Mm -hmm. as you Mm -hmm. count down the hours until you die like it's it's wild that the west lives like that it is. And I also think there's, I love that you brought up that there, this is an entire industry. Because when mm-hmm. I think about why do people in the West fear death so much? And why is it always such a, it's branded as something that's so, this is going to be so controversial. I'm getting cancelled after this episode. <laughs> um, 
I'm ready. But why it's branded as such a sad thing as opposed to a passing on? Or even just like, is death really the end? Or is death just a costume change? And then you get back on stage. I don't, like I feel like the reason the West brands it as like this definitive end thing and there's so much grief and sorrow surrounding end of life, I feel like it's part of capitalism. Because mm-hmm. I was watching Joker yesterday and it was such an accurate representation of how poor people are treated in society. And when a homeless person dies, like society doesn't give a shit. Like no one really cares. And yet anyone who's not homeless or anyone who's like a productive member of society is really encouraged to cling on to their existence and to live for as long as possible or to live for as long as you are able to actively participate in the system. And I think part of the fear of death is rooted in the fact that we perceive us or we don't perceive ourselves but society perceives us as cogs in a factory and they mm-hmm. need us here really badly so they need us to not go i feel like that's part mm-hmm. of the stigma around suicide i feel like it's part of why we fear death outside of like biological drives but i think there's a very i don't think it's a coincidence that it's it's very capitalist societies that have the highest the highest rates of people really being attached and people postponing and clinging on to their lives even when it's painful for them to do that fucking hell it's really crazy what ready to i wasn't ready to feel like this <laughs> but it's all there i can't wait till i watch the joker so i can add in constructively to that oh my god analysis, it's the best but... movie in the world I heard it was overrated, but I mean, that's just probably like people being mad. Yeah. I, I don't think I've watched, I haven't watched the jo- the other ones in full, like the Batman. Yeah, I didn't fuck with Returns Batman. Like, well, I don't like action movies. I also oh, don't okay. really like hero movies like that because like, I can't relate. No. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this is like a very I don't know I guess a lot of people found it very problematic and a lot of people found it very dangerous because they feel it promotes domestic terrorism but really it was mm-hmm. just a commentary on class privilege on elitism and on the ills of capitalism but Hot. you should go watch it it's incredible well, I mean, don't, like, because they're not paying us to tell you to do these things. <laughs> Before you go watch it, be like, well, bye bye, said. I'm getting very careful about what I recommend. I'm not trying to be liable for anything. I know, right? No, Similarly, I feel Similarly, I remember when I was just in Ghana, um, the last times I went this year. Yeah. Um, I was reminded of how big funeral culture is in Ooh, Ghana. Like, yes. You, you will see a poster for somebody's funeral as often as you see advertising wow and it'll be these huge like you know one meter posters with like this amazing like portrait of someone with that like hollywood 80s finish with their name that that um when they were born when they died with a beautiful saying like gone gone to their father gone with grace Mm. like you know left us for a better place just really celebratory light airy beautiful things and like funerals are social events like people will take yes even in south africa (laughs) yeah fridays um in ghana you wear cultural clothing and then oh you it's recommended and then on sundays are just mostly funeral days and everything just shuts down everyone's just like loving funerals so much so that you know, there's a huge industry in Ghana where people make fantasy coffins. So they take something that was very important to you from when you're alive. You might yeah. have been a smoker or you might have loved fishing. And they will literally make you a fantasy coffin that's like a pack of Marlboros or like a huge fish. And then they'll put you in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so in, in Ghana, there is no rush to bury someone because mm. once someone's died, then like the celebration begins. We're celebrating their life, what they left with us. We want to make sure the plans are in place. It could take three weeks to bury someone. Four weeks, five weeks. That's like, so interesting. It's no rush. Yeah. And also, it's kind of like... Is it a sad you know, event? Because it, it it's sounds not, it's, jovial. Well, 
it's it's jovial, but there are also elements of it that really ham up the sadness. Like mm. there are professional mourners in Ghana um, that can be hired to cry really loudly at your funeral because it's presumed Mood. that if you have people who miss you a lot, then that needs to be shown and people will celebrate the mourners, like mm. celebrate that you uh, miss so much as somebody's crying for you. So that's a huge thing. And everybody's wearing black and red and, it's just so interesting how you that know you can really take something so solemn and turn it into an obligatory, obligatory, whichever you want to say, yeah. obligatory event for people to rock up to. Like you don't miss a funeral. <laughs> like that you is thought you so were going fascinating. No, yeah. You don't miss a funeral. Like we're popping off. It's a full day event. Come to the after party. Like everyone's hanging out. It's just so, so, so interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, you think of people dying here in Australia and it's their family stressing about if they can afford to get them a casket. Oh, no, we have to cremate them because we can't afford the land. Or, you know, things like that. It's yeah. just like, how grim to be an afterthought Literally, <laughs> after you, your life. Literally, it's instead of crazy. people celebrating your life, they're stressing about what to do with you. Mm-hmm. I hate the way the West navigates death and, like, the afterlife. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. I just don't, I don't get it. Mm-mm. I also think that it would make us a little bit more cognizant of how to live a more fulfilling lifestyle if we were more aware that death was creeping up sooner. Yes. I've been saying so often these days that the world is ending. Just so people are aware, they don't have time. Literally. Even if the world ends. It's my slogan. years after your death. It's still not enough time to do all the things <laughs> we want to do while you're like rendered, like paralyzed out of fear, shame, guilt, fear of failure, fear of success. Like your time is ticking. Your time, listen. Even, listen. Come on. Even if you listen. live till 90, your body will fail you at 50. You can't do the things you want to do between 50 and 90. And not people with the way waste I'm living. time, hey? <laughs> but here's the thing too, is that like people refuse to think about death to face their own mortality. But the irony is most people have already committed psychological suicide. If you are living your life for someone else or you still wake up every day and you go to a job that you hate knowing full well that you could do something that you love, if you orient your entire life around other people's gaze and other people's perception, you've really committed psychological suicide. But then you want to be sad when you're confronted with your mortality. It doesn't make sense to me. Like and it, it doesn't add up. A lot up. of us can't opt out of, you know, societal responsibilities like going to a job or studying. Yeah. And that's okay because the majority of people can't afford to opt out. Yeah, it's absolutely. saying that we need to prioritize leisure, pleasure and big enjoyment. Yeah. So much of our life is just like sadness and anguish. Yeah. Of which, like, we do not have enough time <laughs> for, for this. No, it's like what I'm saying is there's a, there are a lot of parts of our lives that we can change. But we don't change because we've deluded ourselves into thinking that life is this long, drawn-out journey. When in reality, like, death isn't a distant event in the future. We're all dying Mm -hmm. consistently at all times. Every second of your life, you are closer to your death. Life is really just a a process of decay. So you Mm -hmm. actually don't have any time to pretend that your death is in the future and that therefore Mm -hmm. you can postpone your life. Like... No. And I also think like you actually can't, you're not actually living fully until you've considered the fact that you're dying. Like until mm-hmm. you've really like sat down and were like, wait, actually like I'm not here forever. Hey, like I am here for in the context of like infinity, you're here for a split second. Oh, and then you're gone and you wasted that time living to make your parents happy. What do you mean? You know, like, what do you mean? And yeah, like, of course, like, understand your privileges, understand your limitations, like, capitalism sucks. We're all in this bitch. You got to do what you got to do. But don't delude yourself into thinking that you're stuck in a circumstance just because you prioritize the comfort of stability over the unknown. Like, what? Bitch, you're dying. You are dying. Mm-mm. Also recognizing distractions. I don't know if we've spoken about this on the podcast or just yeah. personally, but this purpose 
driven lifestyle that everybody's searching for that distracts you from the fact that you just haven't been living oh my god oh my god don't do this realistic to hope that you're special enough to have a divine purpose that impacts the world but for most of us that just isn't the case and so i say this every day oh my god can (laughs) we start a school of like it's okay to not have a purpose People it's okay really to are not dying. have purpose or inherent value. Yeah, like <laughs> most people don't. Like, and it's you can be happy and fulfilled. I think I'm speaking for myself. Like, I've wasted years looking mm-hmm. for a purpose and looking for a passion. A passion. And a then I re- it's all of it's all an illusion. Like some people are set up that way, but the majority of us aren't. And. Mm-hmm to spend your entire life and it's also like a branding thing like capitalism one of the ways that it's really led us astray is deluding us into thinking that your dreams are tied to your jobs why why would that be the case capitalism this unnecessary unnatural thing how would that in any way be tied to your highest self like why do we why do we chase these transient illusory constructs it doesn't add up. It doesn't and add also, up. We speak a lot about not deluding ourselves. And I remember reading in the Facebook group about how to do that. Um, and the first thing I would suggest is look to the people around you as a marker of what's possible in mm. life. Some things we know are real and possible because we see reflections of them in everybody around us. Yeah. So like I know mental illness is real and possible. And so if, if that happens to be something I struggle with in the future, it's not a surprise to me. Purpose. Passion, <laughs> productivity, yeah, rare. Everybody I know is struggling with it, and everybody I know has convinced themselves that it is possible that it's to there gain somewhere. these things. Mm-mm. There comes to a point where, you're like, okay, like someone needs to pull the curtain from <laughs> over my eyes because I'm not seeing things as they are, and so. The easiest way to not delude yourself is to start to see things as they are. Look at people Mm. around you or a few degrees of separation around you for things that are possible. Like you can technically be an entrepreneur if you have seen reflections of that around you. Yeah. But can you be a president or a prime minister if you haven't seen that in your inner or outer circles or even the outer, outer circle? Probably not. Yeah. And that's actually fine. It's okay. Let's not stress ourselves out. Literally. It's just really interesting and really telling and I'm just surprised that like we've all, not all, but the amount of conditioning that needs to happen for us to not be thinking um, critically about how much time we don't have. Recently I watched um, that Justin Timberlake movie called In Time. Mm. Essentially it's uh, about a dystopian, it's set in a dystopian time maybe probably in the future um where time is the biggest currency and people work for time they spend time um and those who are poor don't have a lot of time so they rush they move really quickly they're scared living in fear and those who have a lot of time are offered privileges like being able to travel outside of the inner city zones into you know beautiful lush areas yeah you know, it was ridiculous. Like, I remember I was watching it and, and looking at how much time it costed them to do things. Like, at one point, you know, Justin Tim, like, wanted to... He had amassed a bit of time and wanted to see what the different zones looked like out of the city. And so it took him... It took a year or two off his life to go and do that. Not physically in terms of, like, mm. it took him 365 days, but they've got, like, a little time counter on their wrist, and it cost him a year's worth of life. People are going to work and getting paid days. Like, you go to work and get paid enough that you have another day to come back to work. That and so is with that, wild. With that in mind, I'm like, we're not so, like... <laughs> With, not that I think we're close to that being a reality, but if we were thinking about life in that capacity and understanding that every day is no promise. But yeah. realistically, like, you don't have as much time as you'd like to think you do. Yeah, and the biggest con is us being convinced that we do. Yeah. It's the longest <laughs> con. No, re- It's relax. the illusion that life when you're is 60. long. It's cool. Like, just retire at 60. you got heaps of time. Like, what? Between 60 Mm-mm. and 75, you can, like, do all the things you ever wanted to do, right? What, when you have lung cancer, arthritis, fucking, like, a broken hip, that's when you want to go travel and see the world? Can you Can't imagine? Can you walk up the Coliseum, babes? <laughs> Our skin suits are so fragile and all they do is decay. So Mm -hmm. how can you waste even a second of your life? But I think that's also the scam of the way that we've set up society, right? Like you're born, 
you you hop out the womb you then go waste uh 12 years of your life in school and then you <laughs> go yeah no you're wasting it and then after you waste your time in school you go waste your time in uni to go learn things that you actually won't use in your job unless you're a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer so then you waste time going to uni to go learn things that actually have no relevance to your life post uni and you've amassed all of this if you're in the US you've amassed all of these loans and so then you have to go and join the rat race to pay off the loans and then you That's almost impossible. Yeah, so no you. one ever pays them off. And so then you get to retirement and then you're like, "Ah, oh, finally I can live. I've spent all my life chasing money. I can finally live." And then your legs are like, "Oop. Actually no. <laughs> Sorry, fam." Your knees buckle your shins break. <laughs> Your taste your eyesight is terrible. Your taste buds have gone to shit. You saved up to go travel the world, and then <laughs> your knees were like, "Sorry, fam, we're actually staying in bed." And the now day who's you the get clown? to retire, and your knees. <laughs> who's the clown? <laughs> Why is this so hilarious? <laughs> Sad. It's so sad. <laughs> Tragic. And then people are like, I don't know, I'm just going to work this job for the next 10 years and then I'll pursue my dream of being a measles. Bitch, you won't have knees. <laughs> you need to go. <laughs> With the way these airborne diseases Literally. you know, <laughs> The bubonic plague is back. You're wasting your the time. The plague is nigh, <laughs> babes. <laughs> Honestly, and this is this brings me back to the meaning of life discussions. Mm. If you aren't religious, I feel like that conversation is just going to go nowhere for you <laughs> because the meaning of life it hasn't revealed itself to very many people no one. who identify as being atheist. No one. So here's well, the tea. Agnostic. What are we all doing here? Listen, here's the tea. Life is inherently meaningless and absurd. But You don't have to go throw yourself into a cement mixer just because life is <laughs> just because life is meaningless. This entire universe is Play-Doh. Like you literally create, inject meaning or purpose whatever. The reason this idea of like purpose and meaning and passion were created is so that people don't kill ourselves. People don't kill themselves. Like in the beginning of time it was you live and be a good person so that you can go off and go to heaven. You need all these ultimate destinations and all these meanings assigned to your life so that you don't kill yourself. But I really feel like true liberation is being at peace with the fact that There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. This universe is inherently meaningless it's inherently it's inherently indifferent towards you it's absurd and you're just here to get your titty sucked and create meaning where you want to create it you need to mold this planet into something that's pleasurable for you and that's just the tea there's no other meaning We have way more responsibility over <clears throat> how we construct our lifestyles than we want to give ourselves credit for. Because mm. really, all these years the world has existed, and not one person can give us a universal meaning of life. No one, not a single bitch. Sad. And I feel Sad. like people need meaning in order to distract mm -hmm. themselves from their mortality. I think everything that people do is rooted in the fear of dying. Every fear is rooted in the fear of death and everything that Are you people sure? do. Fully. Fully, fully, fully. So I feel like there's two deaths, right? Like so first there's or maybe three. First there's like the psychological suicide that I was talking about where people just neglect themselves 
And in that, commit suicide. And then there's your physical death. There's like the death of your skin suit where you're finished, you're no longer breathing, you're no longer alive. And then there's the death of when you are no longer a memory in anyone's mind. Mm. I feel like everything that people do is rooted in postponing, not postponing, is rooted in lengthening the amount of time that they exist in other people's minds. Like, it's why people have children. It's why people want to create legacies. It's why people seek purpose. It's why people want to feel validated. Why everyone is seeking also fame. Like, everything that people pursue, fame, money, love, is just so that they can maintain and they can prolong this idea of self. Like, they just want to maintain the idea of themselves in other people's minds for as long as humanly possible. But the gag is that even if you end up being Nelson Mandela or Donald Trump or Hitler, at some point the Milky Way galaxy will merge with the Andromeda galaxy and then the sun will swallow us up and then you'll all be gone, including Nelson Mandela. Like, there will be a point when it'll be the last time that anyone ever thinks of you. And I feel like everyone has to remember that. And that point can come way sooner than death. Yeah, literally. But I feel like that's the thing that motivates what everyone does on this planet. Nietzsche has a really interesting theory about death because he doesn't believe in it. He thinks it's called, um, what is it? I think it's called the theory of eternal recurrence. Where basically he thinks that time is just a flat circle and life just life is just like a constant infinite loop and that everything you've ever done and everything that you will ever do will just be repeated infinitely mm-hmm. and all of it is just to build your character like you're just going to keep being flex forever <laughs> that works well <laughs> <laughs> would you be down for that did i did i tell you that um I feel like I talked about the Uber driver I once had who was telling me about the Akashic Records, mm. about how the sun stores all the information of every, you know, alternate universe and era, everything that has ever happened and has happened mm. will be there. Anyway, he was saying in a past life I was royalty and I drowned when I was like fleeing or transporting from oh one continent to another. And he's like, and that's why you probably have a deep fear of the ocean. And I was like, mm. Were you profiling me? <laughs> I'm screaming. Wait, but is it true? Like, do but, you have a fear of the ocean? Well, I don't have... Well, yeah. <laughs> but... I'm screaming. But that's because of... That's because of... Um, the fish. So, yeah. <laughs> the fact that the ocean or the majority has been undiscovered, the fact that I don't... I'm not in control. I'm not a strong swimmer, so I could just be, like, wept away by the current. Yeah. I'm down to chill, but I'm going to be extremely on edge the whole time. Mm. Also, I can understand the stereotype of black people not being great swimmers because, hello, intergenerational trauma. Yeah. Hello, slavery. Hello, being transported by fucking huge shit. Literally, To other facts. places. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that shit makes so much sense, but... So, have you ever thought about who you were in a past life? Oh, my God, all the time. Who do you think you were? So, I think think I've always been a woman. Mm. (laughs) Because I really, on one, like, I really don't understand men. I don't feel like I connect with men. I also feel so hyper-feminine. And I know that, like, gender is a construct. But I connect with women in ways that I just can't ever connect with with men. And even the men that I do connect with really well, like my boyfriend, they just, they're quite like feminine in the way that they, like in the way that they navigate life and the way that they self-narrate themselves. So I definitely think I was a woman. But something I think about all the time is why am I black? Mm -hmm. Because I think about karma and I'm like, was I a slave master? I think I have it fairly easily as a black person. Like, in relation to most black people, I have it pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I wonder why, on a karmic level, why am I black? Why do you think you're black? I never really thought about it. Mm. Do you think that your past life has to do with it? Probably. I mean, I do think that 
black people when you're black you have to be more empathetic than everyone like you just if you you are forced a level like of empathy that a white man just doesn't have to have and so i think it has to do with empathy like i must be here to be empathetic in some way i don't know but i also really subscribe to the philosophy of the egg I don't know if you've watched the video The Egg or heard the story The Egg. It's by Andy someone, I think. And basically, it's a theory that this entire universe is an egg. And we are I don't want to say sperm. <laughs> basically, we're all we're all inside the egg and we're, we're all like one energy. Like I am you, you're everyone else. Like we're all just one person. We're like one energy experiencing ourselves across 8 billion different skin suits. I'm And so confused. Are you? Yeah. So is in like I don't know these people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use the analogy of the ocean. Like the ocean mm. is made up of oh, waves, okay, right? Oh, okay, like one ecosystem, one body, one being. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so when you die, That was a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you die, you reincarnate as someone else and the cycle continues and to, and the whole purpose of this is just so that we can mature and hatch outside of our egg and graduate into the next dimension of existence and i really resonate with that like i really feel like that's what's happening here i think we're all literally just one nigga like all of us is just one person all experiencing ourselves in eight different eight billion different ways and we'll eventually once we mature we'll eventually hatch outside of our egg and get the fuck out that's wild well i'm on pastlives.org to mm. answer the question why did i choose to be black in this lifetime i'm screaming the theory the theory <laughs> is that you when you come back you choose what life that you want to have mm. directly or indirectly and this author says um One of the more interesting queries a client came in with last week was wanting to know why he had chosen to be a black man in this lifetime. Yeah. It's been hard, he commented. Why would I do that to myself? Yeah, that's well, what I want to know. As you might guess, he uncovered a lifetime in the south in the 1800s where as a wealthy entitled young white man, he lacked a sense of compassion for the black people around him, Bitch. seeing them as only there to serve his purposes. In fact, he raped and beat up a, a young black woman who who he was attracted to and did not help her with the child which ensued until his wife took the child in when its mother died this brings up an important reflection on karma a concept which i often believe is misunderstood yes if we behave poorly in one lifetime we will undoubtedly be on the other side of that fence in another lifetime mm. if not the current one but rather than being seen as punishments for wrong deeds it's useful to see the opp- to see it as an opportunity to set things right to see things from the other's point of view yeah. to learn and correct one's attitudes and behavior essentially it's our chance to balance the scale and clean up our messes so to speak i must say as karma goes this client certainly gave himself a much easier way of experiencing being black in the US than he would have experienced in the 1800s mm. I mean, I think about that too. Yeah, I mean, it's like what I was saying. I think I must have been like a slave master in my last mm. life, because why would I be born into a black woman skin suit in a post-apartheid family? And I feel like race is a really big part of my life experience, particularly, and also like mental health, and also just like navigating lots and lots of different types of people. So I think for me. I think my reason to be or like the thing that I'm here to learn is empathy. What do you think it is for you? Like if like what's well, I'm your trying to figure it out. Yeah. Hmm, maybe like why your soul chose I know no those things actually yeah that should actually exist. Some things I just don't want to know though. <laughs> really? Why? Yeah. Because I'm super aware of how um of how sensitive I can be to new information and how obsessive I can get over new information mm. and how much that will um affect the cause uh affect my actions. So, yeah. I'm sus, but past life therapy sounds sick. 
if anybody's so listening down. and wants to know more about what this is about, essentially, if you go to a past life therapist, they kind of work to open up your unconscious memories and teach you skills um, that you can use to unlock past memories that will give you a lot of insight into who you are now, why you feel what you do, why you think the way you do. So essentially, in addition to nature versus nurture, there are things intergenerationally and also in your past life that affect who you are now. Yeah. So, you know, they say it's good for guidance and shit. And, you know, you might be in situations where you've encountered somebody from your past life and it's had a grave effect on the current life you're having. Mm. As in in you've you've met someone. Like, perhaps Bobo and I met in a past life. I was her fellow fellow slave master. Yeah. Just doing business. No, literally, yeah. Selling people, you know, good deals. Yeah. And that's why we're here together in this life, to learn how to be soft bitches. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that we sometimes... I think that we sometimes definitely like encounter people that we knew in past lives and encounter who we were in past lives. Like I think sometimes time overlaps and you oh, yeah. you like come across yourself. Everybody Google that Princess Diana baby boy. <laughs> Literally no, it's so it's wild. There are so many. Also, if you have um any like super super unexplained irrational phobias like one that ones that didn't form through childhood trauma Mm. they definitely say that those are keys to past life activity so if you have like an irrational fear of birds but never had a bad experience that could have something to do with the way you die oh my god essentially like there's a very specific link you know how um they talk about dmt that molecule that gets released when When you you die die and when you birth when you are birthed into the world yeah that creates a kind of link of consciousness, um, one that's not really like uh, apparent enough for you to recall. But when you're put in situations that trigger you, like trigger your fight or flight, you can then tap into that consciousness. So, you know, listen to your body. Oh my what are God, you definitely afraid of and have no reason to be? What are you no, definitely like, afraid reasonable. of? I don't know if I'm definitely afraid of anything, but I'm definitely real. I used to have a lot of nightmares about slugs, <laughs> like snails and slugs. <laughs> I'm dead. Yeah. Sna- like there's this one dream I remember so vividly, right? So I was in a, I assume it was a coffin. Yeah. But I had a treasure chest when I was um, younger, like a, a, a really big chest. Yeah. Um, that was in my room. And it was super hard to open and was made of, like, real wood. So it just always, always smelled, like, real antique mm. Wasn't my thing or my style. But I had a nightmare that I was in that um, in that chest and I was wrapped up in rubber bands. And the smell was so potent. I could smell it so clearly. Like, just rubbed, wrapped up in rubber bands. And when I finally escaped oh from that God. chest, I walked out into my living room and there was a huge TV Um which probably was the TV that my dad had in his house, like a floor-to-ceiling TV. Yeah. It was fucked. Huge TV playing a documentary about slugs. Oh, my God. And so when I was watching this, freaking out, because it was so big and so lifelike, the slug started coming out of the TV. And because I was still wrapped in rubber bands, I couldn't escape. And so there's just, like, slug just, like, (laughs) I guess, like, how do slugs move? Gliding? Gliding on top of can see me. It was fucked. That's but then, really interesting. I don't interesting. know if that dream was triggered by me going to Ghana as a child and seeing them selling huge African giant snails. These mm. fucking like 15, 20 centimeter snails. Whew. That's a really interesting fear to have. Mine so is vivid. also like insects, but like mm. roaches, also rats. Oh, rats are cute, babe. What do you own, oh my skinny queens? <laughs> you are a terrorist. No, like you're actually. If I see a rat, and I live in New York, so I don't know how I've coped. <laughs> if I see a rat, I will literally slip into a coma it's and die. Game over. It's game over for me. But I want to get into some of our controversial questions. Oh, um, yeah. Some of our listener questions that have been submitted. Let's talk about euthanasia and let's talk about suicide. Mm-hmm. Do you think that suicide needs to be normalized and destigmatized? Should people be able to opt out of their lives if they want to? I definitely think they should, but isn't the argument that if you're in a state 
that warrants you wanting to end your life prematurely, that you aren't fit to make rational decisions and therefore it's dangerous? Mm, I think some of the time it is, but I think sometimes it's literally just like, you know what, I've done what I need to do here and I'm ready to go. Or just yeah. like I have a I have a terminal illness, <laughs> I'm in pain. Let me bounce. Yeah, I'm in pain all the time. Like, why am I still here? There's a story of this guy. <laughs> this is such a wild story. There's a story of this guy who stepped on a landmine and lost his leg, and was pretty much like like he couldn't walk, and also he was he was also poor, so he really couldn't afford like good healthcare. And so he was just like, listen, I'm in pain all the time. I hate my life. Like, I'm ready to go. And his wife was just like, no, 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 no. I want you to stay. Like, in that case, should you be allowed to just opt out? And should you have access to euthanasia? I mean, it seems like realistically a fair decision to make. Yeah. what, I don't really think we're ready for that discussion. I mean, Do you think we so? can barely manage day-to-day things, let yeah. alone deciding when to opt out of one's life. I do think that, um, I mean, I prefer for people to, to make that choice themselves. Like, yeah. we can be pro-choice when it comes to euthanasia. Mm. But um, what I would imagine would happen if that was legal and available to all people is that, we would unnecessarily minimize the time for rehabilitation or trying to assist with the issue. So let's say if you had suicidal tendencies before you had managed to manage them, you would kill yourself. Right. And if it was manageable, you might enjoy the life you were living post suicidal thoughts. Mm. But I mean... I mean, I think it's it's, tricky. Yeah, it's definitely tricky and there's, there's a lot of nuance yeah there's a lot of nuance because on one hand a lot of times if you're like deeply depressed or you you're clinically depressed and you're feeling suicidal I feel like it's not a good idea to commit suicide when you're feeling suicidal Mm. but I also feel like there are definitely times when people want to opt out of existing because they're just they're not enjoying it they don't fuck with it there's an interesting documentary about this guy who was dating this girl, Mukundra told me about this actually. This guy who was dating this girl and basically this guy was, was just like, you know what, I want to die. Like, can you help me? Like, mm. I'm, I'm done. I'm done living. Like, I'm finished. And so the, his girlfriend was just like, okay, sure. Like, that's fair enough. You're, <laughs> you're out. If you're out, you're out. Like, I'll help you do it. And so his first attempt, he was like, honestly, I don't know. This might be a bit much. I don't actually know if I want to do this. And then his girlfriend was like, no, no, no. You made a decision. You need to stick to it. Like, she commit. says, sweetie, don't be inconsistent. Don't be She's like, floppy. yeah, commit to your decision. Ah! Commit to your decision. Wow. And so he eventually ended up killing himself. And then she went to jail. Yeah, and so there's a imagine. big like moral discussion about was what she did unethical if someone genuinely wants to opt out of life, like if someone genuinely wants to opt out of living, shouldn't they be allowed to die with dignity? And if someone helps them do that, is that really unethical? Like, is it unethical mm. to take someone's life if they've asked you to take it from them? It's a really interesting moral dilemma. Mm. And I think, like, it's really doesn't make sense to me that suicide is such a... Um, such a topic that we don't talk about because it's so common mm-hmm. it's like the ninth the ninth leading cause of death around the world mm. which means there's like infinitely more people who just are suicidal but who don't actually commit I don't even want to say commit suicide because that makes it sound like it's a crime yeah out of like the people who do actually successfully kill themselves there's infinitely more people who feel that way but don't actually Absolutely. do it you know and so we need to have more open conversations about death and suicide and access to opting out with dignity and like being able to give people like psychological psychiatrical screenings to clock if they're in a position to make that decision for themselves, you know? 
I mean, this goes back to end of life planning and having a death doula. If yeah. it was part, if euthanasia became legal everywhere mm. and there were practices put in place to manage or to, I guess, strategically help a suicidal person um, yeah. manage their end of life practice, then yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? But I mean, where's the money in people killing themselves? Yeah, that the healthcare that's the system thing. needs you alive and unwell, baby. Exactly. <laughs> and this is where capitalism intersects with absolutely everything. Everything. And which is also why you should go watch Joker because it's such an interesting story about that. Like this guy is tired of rich people. He's like, I'm tired of class inequality. I'm tired of being oppressed just because I'm poor. I'm tired of the 1% oppressing us. Let's set everything on fire and let's go. So, of course, he, he's tired of everyone. He starts killing people. And then people look to him as the criminal. And there's like a really twisted moral dilemma that's happening here that is... If you've gone through a life, if you've literally gone through them, because he just had gone through the most terrible life ever. There's a scene where he's just like, he's talking to his therapist and he's telling her like, you never listen to me. And you've been asking me every time that I come in, whether I have any negative thoughts. And I've been telling you that all I have are negative thoughts. I've never been happy a day in my life. And so when someone like that, who's been trampled down by the system and then they turn around and tear the system down. Is that really immoral? Like who's really immoral there? Is Mm. it the system or the person who's tearing it down? Because someone asked the question, someone sent in a question and said, why shouldn't we all just commit suicide if if we're stuck in this capitalist hell that nobody wants to change or is unable to change? What do you think about that? I mean, I don't really think it's hell for me. <laughs> I'm the one benefiting from a bad structure. Yeah. Let me take my win. The world wants me to be oppressed so bad. I'm not here for it. Mm. But if that's how you feel, then it's almost like lead the way. I feel like making such an aggressive blanket statement, it's like that's not a great rhetorical question to ask. Why don't we all kill ourselves? Because generally, if, if you have the means to listen to this podcast, you benefit from capitalism. Do you think so? I don't think so. Absolutely. I think we Capitalism, do. What do you mean? Every, like Benefiting doesn't mean that like it's on Yeah, not scale. that you're a millionaire. Yeah. You're deriving value from the structure in place. It's but bringing I mean, you like, entertainment, the means. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think you might also think that because you're in Australia and you guys are really socially progressive, where like the quality of life is mad good. But I imagine if you are... Like, if you're in a country where, like, being poor is really criminalized and literally you live in Gotham, basically. Right. Should it then be justified to just opt out? It is justified. But it's like we can't all paint it with the same brushstroke. Yeah. Like, why is there a we in this suicide? <laughs> like, <again laughs> like, why don't we all? Suggestion. I we, do we think all that... We need to do anything. I do think that we need to, before we like destigmatize suicide, we need to create a society that's actually bearable to live in. Mm-hmm. I remember asking on my Instagram story, I can't remember what I was talking about generally, but I asked as a follow-up question, is being alive personal hell? And like 75% of people said yes, which is, I guess, the sentiment that this question is rooted in. Which is like, well, if 75% of people are living in hell, why are they still here? That's the tea. That's, yeah. And that's like... That is the tea. A really controversial question, but I feel like it's on a lot of people's minds. And it should be discussed, you know? Mm-hmm. It should be. That is very interesting, that statistic. Yeah. And I wonder what it would take to to have those numbers sway differently. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think society is designed for mass... Well, this differs by country. But I don't think society is de- designed for the majority of people to be happy. And so it's no surprise to me that like the suicide rate increases exponentially over time. But I think instead of normalizing suicide, we need to make society not so torturous to exist Absolutely. in, you know? 
But again, the benefits. The people who make the rules. Because the thing is, the yeah. people who make the rules don't benefit from that. And the people who don't make the rules are passive. Ooh, T, what do you mean? Well, this whole conversation, it's like, you know, we can acknowledge that we live in a society that isn't conducive to us feeling like it's worthy of living, mm. yet we remain passive participants of the society that hates us yeah. and that is killing us. Literally, it's expecting I say this all the every change day. to come from the top down, which is everybody's problem. You know, being autonomous is what everybody struggles with. Being yeah. able to create a lifestyle that suits you and that you can stand by is very hard for most people, but it's easier to assume, because we're so used to being spoon-fed change and progression, Mm. that to do it on our own feels ultimately impossible. Yeah. And in some ways it is, but also I know that I personally I don't think it is, yeah. I I mean, mean, my answer to not, my answer to, you know, mitigating the mediocrity or trying to, like, reduce the monotony in my lifestyle was just succumbing to the wheel. I was like, okay, I need to be better at what, I need to be better at this capitalist way of living as opposed to fighting against it. Interesting. I think we need to set it on fire. But I also know that no one's going to... Like, people aren't about that life. I think the the illusion of capitalism is that it feels like it's a system that we're all inside of as opposed to a system that we're all actively participating in and all actively creating Mm -hmm. every day. And so people don't feel empowered to make any change towards a system that hates them. And that's what I mean by it. in some way we're all benefiting because if 75% of the audience that participated in your poll mm. says that this is a personal hell, then surely by uh, by surely the, the, the discomfort that comes with implementing change is going to feel better than the hell you're currently living in. And if it happens to ruin your life, well, your life already sucks, does it not? Is yeah, what so what do you have to lose? So yeah, yeah. What, is, what is the reason for your stagnancy? That's so interesting. You really have nothing to lose if you're li- if you hate your life and you think it's a personal hell. Yeah. So if anything, those seventy five percent should be activists. <laughs> but the tease that they're not, though, you know, exactly. Which is the question, which begs the question: like, is the onus on, like, are people miserable because this planet is a miserable place to exist in, mm-hmm. or because human beings make existing miserable? This is why I keep, whenever we have this conversation about people expecting those in positions of influence or affluence or power yeah. to, <coughs> to see it for the little guy, why would they why would, when this structure thank benefits you. them? You aren't thank their problem you. or their concern because it, they, they're winning. Get on the winning team. And if anything, rally up those who don't benefit to do something for each other. Yeah, It's very counterproductive to say, to tell someone who doesn't see you or your struggle or your problems or your wants, needs and desires yeah to now get to now see you for who you are and change their lifestyle so they benefit quite why would they it just doesn't add up yeah it doesn't but this is why i also think that yeah i gotta run in like two minutes so i'm gonna leave this to you this is why i think that there is no such thing as a peaceful revolution and i think Mm. that's what makes people uncomfortable the fact that if we really want to make actual change blood will be shed Blood has to be shed because you can't ask your oppressor for freedom. You have to take it. And that is why people stay and marinate in their own personal hell instead of making the changes, the the very uncomfortable changes that are needed to get out of that place. So, And if that isn't the case, please explain to us otherwise because I would be the first to say... Bubba and I operate from a place of privilege, so we might be able to see it the way you see it, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. realistically, like, I mean, look at us. <laughs> How are we going to be, like, viewed as being oppressed, but then in a, a, a position of... How are we going to be viewed as being oppressed, but navigating life from a place of privilege? I think we have the nuance to see both perspectives. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a cis, hetero, white, 60-year-old male who thinks we're in a post-racial society because blacks and whites can get married yeah no we're not on that okay, we're not cute. on that <laughs> we need a death it. part two conversation there's yeah so much to discuss. Next there's so I much discuss more to cover the different forms of afterlife based on each religious or cultural um yes. denomination that'd be so sick okay we let's talk about that yeah that'll be we're gonna do a part two mm-hmm 
Um, and then maybe we'll get people to weigh in on what they think is going to happen. Yeah. After we listening should answer to this more episode, of those Q&A questions. Yeah. Yes. Um, after listening to this episode, actually, no. No. After listening to this episode, please go head over to our Facebook group and let us know what you think is going to happen after you die. Mm. And let's continue the conversation. We're definitely going to have a part two because this is such a juicy, spicy, necessary conversation that I don't hear anyone else having. So I'd love to have it with the greater community. Follow us on Instagram at Bobo and Flex. Follow us on Twitter at Bobo and Flex. Tweet at us and support us on Patreon. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye, sweeties. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.